0: catastrophe. Maybe we use that word too much, but it certainly applies to Puerto Rico today. Hurricane Fiona devastated the island. Flooding, power outages, drinking water shortages, and all of this only five years after Hurricane Maria made landfall. On Sunday at 3.20 in the afternoon, Hurricane Fiona made landfall. After two feet of rain in a day, mudslides, houses flooded, bridges washed away, 85 mile an hour winds rocking the island. Nearly a million and a half people lost power. Hundreds of thousands were left without clean drinking water. They knew the hurricane was coming, but no one thought it would be this bad. Five years ago, Hurricane Maria hit an even more powerful storm Maria left 3,000 people dead. The island was still recovering when Fiona arrived. Natural disasters can leave us shaken and desperate. We don't always know what our Lord is doing. But we can trust in Him, even during the hard times. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week called Verses You Should Know. We're thinking about verses that are good for all Christians to think about. You know, all of the Bible is important. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But we only have a half hour a day to share with you. So I want to take some time and think about some very important passages that can help you and me in our Christian walk. Here's a statement that may not be said very often. One of the things the Bible does for us is to prepare us to die. Maybe that isn't the type of sentence that would make thousands flock to your church. And if it were the title of a book, I don't know how many would sell. But we all are going to die if Christ doesn't return first. And the question is, will we die with faith in our Savior, Jesus? Death has been in the news a lot lately, this week. Specifically, the death of Elizabeth II, Queen of England. But in her death, Elizabeth continued to be a witness for her Savior. Countless people watched the broadcast of her funeral, and they heard scripture verses read. They heard hymns, in death as in life, Elizabeth is resting in Jesus. Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. That was her full title. It's quite a long and majestic title, isn't it? I like the last part, the Defender of the Faith. For many kings and queens, this has just been a title. They really didn't take their faith in Christ seriously. But that was not the case for this queen, who was just laid to rest. I spoke with Catherine Butcher, who wrote a book about the queen. Let's talk about the side of the queen that you wrote a book about. Uh, Something that I think is very significant, Um, uh, even with all the problems in the royal family, and that gets, of course, put out on the tabloids, and that seems to carry the day in the news cycles. But uh, this was a queen who was decidedly a follower of Jesus Christ, wasn't she?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And every year, she made a broadcast to the Commonwealth, which she wrote herself. A lot of her speeches were written for her, but the Queen wrote her own Christmas broadcasts, and she regularly spoke about her faith in Jesus. One of her favourite, um, one of her favourite Bible stories was the Good Samaritan, and she mm. took uh, saw that as a great example. And she talked about Jesus Christ as her inspiration, a role model, an anchor in her life. And she referenced his, his birth and his death and his resurrection. And she talked about the hope that we have because of Jesus. So she was someone who was very natural in the way she spoke about her faith, but very confident in the hope that that Jesus gave to her. I'd like you to have a copy of Catherine's new book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. The book is full of colorful photos, rare devotionals written by the queen, and stories about Her Majesty's faith in Jesus Christ as she served both him and her nation. I think you'll enjoy this behind-the-scenes look at the queen's faith, like my wife and I have. And I enjoyed the part of the book on how Billy Graham encouraged her faith— and I believe this book will inspire your faith as well. So after the program, why don't you call us? Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. Get a copy extra to share with a friend of this book, but also one for yourself. Our number is eight hundred sixty-five haven eight hundred sixty-five haven Or go to our website. You can see a preview of the book and make your gift there at haventoday.org haventoday.org And now let's open with somebody from England who was watching the funeral of the Queen Matt Redmond
1: When the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart All you, Jesus. I'm
0: One of his most famous songs that I he ever wrote, Matt Redman and the Heart of Worship, here on this haven today. I'm Charles Morris. We're calling the program Verses You Should Know. We were up in the balcony. The church was full. The choir had just sung a hymn, a beautiful hymn. We were settling into our seats for a sermon. And the preacher was adjusting his notes, but before he said a word, a man right behind us in the balcony shouted out to the congregation, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Everyone turned to look. The ushers quickly escorted him out. He didn't resist. He didn't cause a ruckus. He just left. The preacher cleared his throat, apologized for the disturbance, and then began his sermon. I don't know who the man was. I don't know what his problem was, but his words were hanging in the air even after the preacher started preaching. It seemed like he had brought a serious charge against us. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one wondering, could it be true? A lot of people thought he was just some kind of nut. And he might have been a nut. But his words were serious. I think all of us ought to be asking ourselves if they're true. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The reason they're serious words is because Jesus spoke those words to some very seriously religious people in his day. They're recorded both in Matthew and in Mark's Gospels. No doubt the people he was talking to thought he was just some sort of a nut. But we know better today. We want to take these words of Jesus to heart. I think we need to ask ourselves if they are true for us. Do we honor God with our lips while our hearts are far from him? Well, Jesus was quoting Isaiah 24. We're in this series, Verses You Should Know. If you go through the Gospels, and if you see the verses that Christ quotes from the Old Testament, you might be surprised, like I have been, by how many of those verses are words of judgment. He picked this passage to make a very pointed accusation against the religious people all around him in his day. He was telling them that their attitude was exactly the same as the attitude of the people in Isaiah's day. And I think we need to ask ourselves, is our attitude the same? Has anything changed with us? Isaiah was the one warning the people on behalf of God in the very same way Jesus was warning the people in his day and people today as well, I might add. The problem was not that they were drifting into paganism. They were like all of us in church on that Sunday that I just described a moment ago. People not skipping church to party with pagans, and neither were they back then. Their problem was that they had no real comprehension of the living God. And we need to ask ourselves if we have that same problem. I need to ask myself that question. Is God just an idea in my head, or is he a breathtaking reality? The people in Isaiah's day and Jesus' day were not letting God's words sink into their hearts. They were just skimming the surface. And so I need to ask myself if that's true of me today. They were just going through the motions. I need to ask myself, am I only going through the motions? let me say right now that we don't have to fear asking ourselves these questions. We can let the Lord into our hearts. We can let him show us if these words rightly apply to us. It's a good thing to recognize that God is real, that he's serious about this kind of thing, and to come into his presence and ask him to show us what is in my heart. And that's what happened to Isaiah that prophet had a first-hand encounter with the living God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now that was a life-changing experience for the prophet Isaiah. It saved him from his own blindness. When Isaiah told the people, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, he was speaking out of personal experience. He had been there. He had done that. He'd had that same easygoing attitude about his standing with God. But then he encountered God and he saw himself for what he was. And in the end, he was undone. But that Undoing was his salvation because it brought him face to face with his great need. He was no longer deceiving himself into thinking he was doing pretty well with God. He knew he needed God's grace to even see another day. The scary truth is that our religious activities can be a way of avoiding God. The Christian fiction writer Flannery O'Connor had a way of cutting right to the quick about this kind of thing. She said this about one of her characters. His name was Hayes Motus. There was already a deep, black, wordless conviction in him that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. Are we doing that? Are we keeping Jesus at a distance by avoiding sin, by being basically nice to people? That's what the religious people in Jesus' day were doing. They were avoiding this exposure by the living God, by avoiding sin, by doing all the right things, by trying to look good. I think that's probably what Isaiah was doing too, because he didn't know his lips were unclean until he met the Lord. It was only in the light of God's presence that he saw his lips for what they were. Take time forward. The people in Jesus' day were accusing Christ's disciples of not washing their hands before they ate, not for hygiene, but to make themselves ritually clean before God. And then Jesus told them they were operating out of a false illusion of cleanness. Well, we can do that today. They thought then they were honoring God with all the pious religious things they were doing, but reality was that the inside of them was unclean, and all their religious activity was blinding them to that fact. Jesus wanted them to see themselves for what they really were to see themselves as god saw them they were blind and he wanted them to see so that they could be saved when isaiah came into the presence of god his blindness was taken away he saw himself for what he was and it put him in a position to receive the grace of god when isaiah cried out about his sin here's what happened one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Is that me? May I ask you, is that you? We don't have to fear asking ourselves that question, because it opens one up to grace. And as soon as we admit it, God comes to us with amazing grace and touches us with the coal of his atonement and tells us our sins are taken away. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to meet the real living God, and I want him to meet me with his amazing grace, and I want it to make me real, to make my worship real, to take my cold heart and fill it up, with genuine love for the Lord God Almighty. That's what only Jesus does. He meets us with amazing grace. He didn't just pronounce words of judgment on the religious people of his day. He did something about it. And what he did has the power to change us all. Christ did something that brings us right into an encounter like Isaiah had with God in the temple. He went to the cross. When we look at Jesus' suffering on the cross for our sins, we are in the presence of the living God. It has a great truth-exposing effect. It tells us who we are. It exposes our hypocrisy. It even makes us ashamed of our cold hearts. But it's also the true living, burning coal from the true altar, and it takes away our sin and purifies our lips. It captures our hearts and fills us with genuine praise for the living God who gave up his son so that we could be saved. That's what it did for Queen Elizabeth. Now, before I have to end, I want to go back to that church I told you about at the beginning of the program. About a year after that incident I described with the man in the balcony, they scheduled a series of revival meetings, not for unbelievers, but for believers. For members of that church, I think the leadership of the church expected the speaker to fire everyone up to do evangelism, to all get more serious about serving God. But instead, he preached from this passage in Mark 7. He asked the very same question that that person had shouted out from the balcony. Do you honor him with your lips while your heart is far from him? Are you? doing a lot of religious things that are actually allowing you to avoid the living God. Somehow, the Holy Spirit broke through and broke the hearts of a lot of us who were there. A lot of people were deeply convicted. A lot of people's hearts were changed that day as we saw the beauty of the cross all over again. That's what I want, and that's what I need every day. I want the gospel to keep on touching my heart, what about you? From her album, Perennial, beautifully done with a boy's choir, Twilight Paris. We haven't heard her in a while. My lips will praise you. On this Haven day. Verses You Should Know, I'm Charles Morris. Well, yesterday I shared with you that at Queen Elizabeth's funeral, many reflected on how her passing was the end of an era. Elizabeth experienced World War II as a teenager, seeing the toll it took on her father, King George. She was crowned in the 1950s, and then for seven decades long, she saw the world change all around her as she reigned in Britain. She really was one of the last links we had to the generation that struggled through World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. But the legacy she left behind is the same legacy we should all aspire to. I was a man or I was a woman who served Jesus because he served me first. Maybe that isn't something we expect royalty to say. But Elizabeth the Queen knew very well who she truly was, a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's who she had in Jesus. And that's why I'd like to send you this book written by Catherine Butcher that we heard from earlier, A Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service, filled with numerous photos and rarely seen prayers written by Elizabeth herself. This book points to her faith in Jesus Christ. She really rested in her Savior. I think you're going to be blessed to read this glossy covered book and to think back on her life and how that relates to your life. I think it will inspire you to live boldly for Jesus, no matter your place or your position. And maybe you might want to get an extra copy or more to share with others so call us right now our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN 800-65-HAVEN or check out some of the sample pages from A Faithful Queen on our website and make your gift at haventoday.org that's haventoday.org I'm Charles Morris thanks for joining me won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll be sharing together the great story That's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. You are the salt of the earth, Christ told us, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You may have heard those words before, But have you ever wondered how salt could ever taste like anything but salt two thousand years ago what they called salt came from natural deposits a mixture of salt and other minerals and if it got wet the salt would dissolve leaving behind something that looked like salt but wasn't salt and guess what not everyone who looks like salt that is looks like they follow jesus actually does what about you are you going through the motions of faith or is Jesus truly Lord of your life? Anchor Devotional keeps thousands of people in God's Word every day. Get yours in print monthly at getanchor.com.